بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم وصلى الله وسلم وبارك على نبينا محمد وعلى اله وصحبه وسلم تسليما كثيرا غفر الله لنا ولشيخنا وللمستمعين والمسلمين يقول الشيخ الاسلام رحمه الله تعالى في كتابه العقيده الواسطيه والصراط منصوب على متن جهنم وهو الجسر الذي بين الجنه والنار يمر الناس عليه على قدر اعمالهم فمنهم من يمر كلمح البصر ومنهم من يمر كالبرق ومنهم من يمر كالريح ومنهم من يمر كالفرس الجواد ومنهم من يمر كالرقاب الابل ومنهم من يعدو عضوا ومنهم من يمشي مشيا ومنهم من يزحف زحفا ومنهم من يقطف خطفا ويلقى في جهنم فان الجسر عليه عليه كلاليب تقطف الناس تقطف الناس باعمالهم فمن فمن مر على الصراط دخل الجنه فاذا عبروا عليه وقفوا على قنطره بين الجنه والنار فيقتص لبعضهم من بعض فاذا خذبوا ونقوا اذن لهم في الدخول في دخول الجنه وأول من يستفتيه باب الجنة محمد صلى الله عليه وسلم وأول من يدخل الجنة من الأمم أمته وله صلى الله عليه وسلم في القيامة ثلاث شفاعات أما شفاعة الأولى فيشفع في أهل الموقف حتى يقضى بينهم بعد أن يتراجع أنبياء آدم آدم ونوح وإبراهيم وموسى وعيسى بن مريم عن الشفاعة حتى تنتهي إليه وأما الشفاعة الثانية فيشفع في في أهل الجنة أن يدخلوا الجنة وهاتان شفاعتان خاصتان له وأما الشفاعة الثالثة فيشفع في من استحق النار وهذه الشفاعة له ولسائر النبيين والصديقين وغيرهم فيشفع في من استحق النار الا يدخلها ويشفع في من دخلها ان يخرج منها ويخرج الله من من النار اقواما بغير شفاعه بل بفضله ورحمته ويبقى في الجنه فضل عمن دخلها من اهل الدنيا فينشئ الله لها اقواما فيدخلهم الجنه واصناف من واصناف ما تدمنته الدار الاخره من الحساب والثواب والعقاب والجنه والنار وتفاصيل ذلك وتفاصيل ذلك مذكور في الكتب المنزله من السماء والاثار من العلم المعفور عن الانبياء وفي العلم المورود عن عن محمد صلى الله عليه وسلم من ذلك ما يشفي ويقفي فمن ابتغاءه وجد بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله نحمده ونستعينه ونستغفره ونعوذ بالله من شرور انفسنا وسيئات اعمالنا ونشهد ان لا اله الا الله وحده لا شريك له له الملك وله الحمد وهو على كل شيء قدير ونشهد ان محمدا عبد الله وخليله ورسوله 
أرسله الله جل وعلا رحمة للعباد فبلغ الرسالة وأدى الأمانة ونصح للأمة وجاهد في الله حق جهاده صلوات الله وسلامه عليه ورضوانه جل وعلا على صحابة محمد الذين آمنوا به وهاجروا معه وإليه وجاهدوا معه وبعده وأرخصوا أهلهم وديارهم وأموالهم لاتباعه والسري معه فاللهم ارضى عنهم واجعلنا جميعا ممن قلت فيهم والذين جاءوا من بعدهم يقولون ربنا اغفر لنا ولاخواننا الذين سبقونا بالايمان ولا تجعل في قلوبنا غلا للذين امنوا اللهم اجعلنا من هؤلاء يا حي يا قيوم مبدا حديثنا الليله فيما يتعلق بالصراط يقول شيخ الاسلام أحمد بن عبد الحليم بن تيمية رحمة الله عليه والصراط منصوب على متن جهنم وهو الجسر الذي بين الجنة الجنة والنار يمر الناس عليه على قدر أعماله هذا الجسر لا بد من المسير عليه من مرحوم ومعاقب فنسال الله ان يجعلنا جميعا من المرحومين يقول يمر الناس عليه على قدر اعمالهم اهل التقوى والانابه الصادقون مع الله جل وعلا يمرون مرا سريعا كلمح البصر ولمح البصرية أسرع من الضوء ومن بعدهم يمر كالبرق كالبرق الذي يشاعر ومنهم من يمر كالريح الريح العاصفة تمشي بسرعة ومنهم من يمر كالفرس الجواد ومنهم من يمر كركاب الإبل ومنهم من يعدو عدوا ومنهم من يمشي مشيا ومنهم من يزحف زحفا إلى هنا فيهم رجاء ومنهم من يخطف خطفا ويلقى في جهنم فإن الجسر عليه كلاريب تخطف الناس بأعمالهم والنبي ذكر صلى الله عليه وسلم هذه الكلاريب وذكر أنها مثل شوك السعدان نوع من النبات البري شوكه في شيء شيء مستدير إذا انطبق قسم على قسم لا لا يستطيع أن يفلت من وقع فيه والسعدان من نبات البرية وهو من أفضل مراعي الإبل وهو الذي يقول في المثل المثل مرعى ولا كالسعدان 
مدح مرعا بانه جيد فهو جيد لكنه ليس كالسعدان النبي ذكر لما قال هذه الكلاليد مثل شوك السعدان ثم قال لاصحابه هل راى منكم احدا السعدان فقال الذين هم من اهل البريه والفياض نعم رايناه يا رسول الله هذه الكلاليب من الجانبين مثل نوع الشوك السعدان اذا انطلقت يقول هذه تخطف الناس باعمالهم السابقون السابقون لهم وزن يمرون النار لا بد من المرور عليها وقد قال الله وان منكم الا واردها على هذا الصراط الجسر ثم ان الجسر مزل يعني زلق زلج يقول الشيخ الاسلام فمن مر على الصراط يعني استكمل المرور عليه دخل الجنه فاذا عبروا جميع من هم سيدخلون الجنه بعدما يعبرون الصراط يقفون في مكان متسع على قنطره بين الجنه والنار في هذا الموقع موقع الاقتصاص الاقتصاص يؤخذ للمظلوم من الظالم وفيهم حديث المفلس الذي مر علينا في احدى الليالي وقال الذي ما تعدون مفلس قال المفلس من لا درهم عنده ولا متاع قال المفلس من امتي الذي له اعمال كثيره ولكنه لا يتحاشى من ظلم الناس بلسانه ويده وسأخذ أموالهم نظالما لهم في العرض من تلك أراضهم يضربهم يدميهم يقتل يأخذ المال يقول فيؤخذ في ذلك الموقف قبل تجاوزه يؤخذ من حسنات هذا المفلس ويعطى غرماءهم لأن في ذلك الموقف لا ظلم والحكم الله والعباد إذا أنكروا يختم على أفواههم وتتكلم أيديهم وأرجلهم وجميع أعضائهم حتى جلود إذا اقتص من للظالم من للمظلوم من الظالم وانتهوا من كان معاله للجنه يتوجه الى الجنه فاذا هذبوا ونقوا يؤخذ ما ما اخذ من حسنات المحسنين الذين يحسنون ويسوءون واحدهم يعمل عملا صالحا واخر سيئا إذا كان السوء بينه وبين ربه جل وعلا 
فهذا موكول الى عفو الله واما حقوق العباد فلا يسقط منها شيء كما قال ذلك الرجل للنبي رايت انا قاتلت في سبيل الله حتى قتلت ادخل الجنه قال نعم فلما ادبر الرجل ناداه النبي قال كيف قلت فاعاد مقولته فقال نعم الا الدين الا حقوق البشر لا تخطرها حتى الشهاده في سبيل الله قال الا الدين فانه اخبرني به جبريل انفا فهذه حقوق ماليه وحقوق العرض يعني انتهى الكلام الواحد يعرض الاخر لاعتداد الضرب او بالتدميه او بالقتل كل هذه يقتص من الشخص ويوم القيامه ما في قتل احد لكن سحب حسنات فان كفت حسناته المفلس نظر في امره فيما بعد وان فنيت حسناته وقد بقي عليه ديون يؤخذ من سيئات الاخرين ويطرح عليه ثم يطرح في نار جهنم نسال الله العافيه يقول اذا هذبوا ونقوا اذن لهم بدخول الجنه في ذلك تلك اللحظه يتبين الفرح من اول من يستفتح باب الجنه محمد صلى الله عليه وسلم يقول وأول من يستفتح باب الجنة محمد وأول من يدخل الجنة من الأمم أمة محمد النبي قال صلى الله عليه وسلم نحن الآخرون يعني في الدنيا الأولون يوم القيامة فنحن الأولون غير أنهم أوتوا الكتاب يعني اليهود والنصارى قبلنا ثم يذكر شيخ الإسلام باختصار ما للنبي صلى الله عليه وسلم من الشفاعات له ثلاث شفاعات واحدة للخلق أجمعين في الموقف يقف الناس يوم القيامة في مكان واسع وتدر الناس الشمس من رؤوسهم فيسيل عرقهم وبقدرة الله جل وعلا لا يسيل عرق أحد على أحد بل يجتمع عرق كل واحد حوله فمنهم من يلجمها العرق يصل إلى فمه ومنهم من يكون إلى التراقي تركوة تحت الرقبة ومنهم دون ذلك في هذا الموقف اللي يتقي في الخلق كلهم مؤمنهم وكافرهم من سيدخل الجنة ومن سيدخل النار كلهم في موقف واحد فإذا مضى مضت عليهم مدة طويلة يوم في في سنة فزعوا شدة الكرب فيأتون إلى آدم عليه السلام أبو البشر فيقولون يا آدم أنت أبو البشر خلقك الله بيده 
واسجد لك ملائكته وقبل ثومتك ترى ما نحن فيه اشفع لنا عند ربك فيقول لا انا عصيت الله واكلت من الشجره اذهبوا الى غيري اذهبوا الى نوح ونوح هو الاب الثاني بعدما حرك قومه ما بقيت الا ذريه نوح وجعلنا ذريته هم الباقون فياتون الى نوح عليه السلام ويشكون لهم ما نالهم من الضنك والضيق والعناء ويطلبون منه الشفاعه فيعتذر ويقول ما انا لها انا دعوت دعوه اهلك الله بها البشر اذهبوا الى ابراهيم ابو الانبياء فينتقلون الى ابراهيم عليه السلام ويطلبون منه الشفاعه فيعتذر ويقول اني كذبت ثلاث كذبات لا استطيع ان اشفع من هي الكذبات الثلاث هذه الكذبات الثلاث قال لقومه لما خرجوا خرج فرحهم اني سقيم مريض تركوه لا يبقى ما دام مريض يبقى لما جاء الى الاصنام وعندها الطعام قال لهم الا تاكلون ثم كسرهم ولما جاءوا يسالونه قال من فعل قالوا من فعل هذا قال كبيرهم الصنم الكبير كما قص الله في القران والكذبه الثالثه لما نزل الى ارضا وكان فيها ملك جبار لا يدخل بلده امراه الا يؤتى بها اليه ان كان الذي معها زوجها قتله وان كان اخوها او ابوها لم يقتل فجاءت جاء ابراهيم معه زوجته ساره فقيل ما هذه قال اختي فطلبت فقال لها ان انني قلت انك اختي وليس في الدنيا مؤمن غيري وغيرك لا تكذبيني هذه الكذبه الثالثه التي قال اعتذر عنها والقصه معروفه والحديث في صحيح البخاري فيما يتعلق بالكذبه وما يتعلق بالرجل الجبار وفي غير البخاري انه ملك مصر ايضا في الحديث في الحديث ثم حصل لما اراد ان يمد يده عليها صرع فلما رفس خافت ان يموت فظن انه انها قتلته فدعت الله ففك فك عنه فهم ثانيه فصرع فلما انصرع خافت ان يقال هي القاتله له ثم دعت الله فك عنه ثم قال الثالثه هم فانصرع فاعذر قال ما جئتوني بانسان جئتوني بشيطان ثم قال هذه ما يصلح ان تخدم نفسها 
وأهداها جارية واسمها هاجر وهي أم إسماعيل عليه السلام فرجعت سارة وإذا بإبراهيم عليه السلام يصلي فأشر له يعني كيف الذي حصل فقالت أخذ الله الكافر وأخدم خادما ثم أهدت الجارية فإبراهيم اعتذر أيضا بأنه حصل منه كذا وكذا فيأتون إلى موسى عليه السلام فيعتذر ويقول عن نفسه وقتله لذلك القبطي الذي فوكزه موسى فقضى عليه ويعتذر ويأتون لعن عيسى فلا يذكر كذبه وإنما يقول لست لها يذهب إلى محمد نبي غفر الله الله ما تقدم من ذنبه وما تأخر فيأتون إلى رسول الله فيقول لهم أنا لها ثم يتقدم ويسجد تحت العرش يقول النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم فيفتح علي من المحامد والثناء على الله شيء لا أذكره وأنا في الدنيا حتى يقال فيقال ارفع رأسك وقل اسمع واشفع تشفع فيشفع بأهل الموقف وهذه الشفاعة الأولى الكبرى ويشفع الثانية لأهل الجنة ليفتح الباب الباب لهم هذه الشفاعتان هاتان الشفاعتان اختص بها نبينا صلى الله عليه وسلم بهما نبينا صلى الله عليه وسلم وهي العموم الأولى للبشر أجمعين والثانية لأهل الجنة وأما الشفاعة الثالثة فيشفع في من استحق النار له ذنوب وسيئات فيشفع والشفاعات لا يشفع نبينا ولا أي نبي ولا أي شافع لأحد إلا إذا رضي الله عن المشفوع وأذن للشافع كما قال ولا يشفعون إلا لمن ارتضى يقول سيدي وهذه الشفاعة للنبي صلى الله عليه وسلم ولسائر النبيين والصديقين وغيرهم فيشفع في من استحق النار أن لا يدخلها ويشفع في من دخلها أن يخرج منها هذه الشفاعات التي للنبي صلى الله عليه وسلم يشفع للناس دخلوا فيخرجون ثم يخرج الله جل وعلا من النار أقواما غير هؤلاء الله جل وعلا يقول في كتابه الكريم إن الله لا يغفر أن يشرك به ويغفر ما دون ذلك لمن يشاء الله يكرم الشافع ويأذله بالشفاعة لمن أراد الله جل وعلا أن يخرجه من النار أو يصرفه عنها وكل شيء بقضاء الله جل وعلا وقدره النار وعدت بأن تملى وكلما ألقي فيها فوج تقول هل من مزيد لا تزال في تلحف وطلب حنقا منها على الظالمين حتى يضع عليها رب العزة جل وعلا قدمه فينزوي بعضها إلى بعض فتقول قطن قطن يا إيم تلأت تلأت
واما فيما يتعلق بالدار الاخره يقول واصناف ما تضمنت في الدار الاخره من الحساب والثواب والعقاب والجنه والنار يقول تفاصيل ذلك مذكور في الكتب المنزله المنزله من عند الله جل وعلا على انبيائه ورسله كصحف ابراهيم وكالتوراه والانجيل وزبور داوود اوحى الله به الى الانبياء قبل محمد صلى الله عليه وسلم وما تضمنه القران والحكمه النبويه التي هي من عند الله وفيها لا شك الخير الكثير He began by praising Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and seeking refuge in Allah from the evil of our deeds. Whomsoever Allah guides, there is none to guide him astray, and whomsoever Allah leads astray, there is no guide for him. We bear witness that there is no deity worthy of worship except Allah. He is alone and he has no partners. And to him belongs the dominion, and he is able to do all things. May the peace and blessings of Allah be upon Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, the one that Allah sent as a mercy to mankind. He gave the message, he fulfilled the trust, and he was sincere for his ummah, and he fought in the way of Allah, a true fighting. May the peace and blessings of Allah be upon him. May Allah be pleased with his companions, those who believed in the Prophet Muhammad, and fought beside him. They migrated with him and migrated to him and they spent their wealth and their lives for the purpose of Islam. May Allah be pleased with them and make us from amongst those to say, O oh Allah, <coughs> forgive us and our brothers who have preceded us in faith and do not create one out and do not place in our chest any dislike and hatred for the believers. So we ask Allah to make us from amongst them. Then the Shaykh mentioned tonight's lesson is about the Sirat, which is the bridge which is extended over the hellfire. Shaykh al-Islam ibn Taymiyyah rahimahullah ta'ala, Shaykh al-Islam Ahmed ibn Abdul Hanim ibn Taymiyyah rahimahullah ta'ala mentioned about this bridge. And he mentioned that it is extended over the hellfire. And the Shaykh mentioned that it is incumbent for everyone to, pa- to pass over this bridge, whether this person is going to be punished or whether this person or whether mercy is going to be shown to this person and he said we ask Allah to make us from amongst those that mercy is shown to and he mentioned the people of taqwa the people of faith those who are sincere they would cross over this bridge very quickly yeah those who would cross over this bridge like the the winking of an eye And he mentioned, Habibullah Ta'ala, that the wink of an eye is faster than the speed of light. So you have those that would pass over the bridge like the wink or the blink of an eye. And you have those that would pass over the bridge the speed of lightning. And you have those that would pass over the bridge the speed of a strong wind. And you have those that would pass over the bridge the speed of a strong horse. You have those that would pass over the bridge, the speed of someone riding a camel. And the Shaykh mentioned Habib Allah Ta'ala, 
Naam, and then after that you had those that would uh, walk over the bridge, those that would run, Afwan, those that would run, those that would walk, and those that would crawl. And the Shaykh Habib Allah Ta'ala mentioned those that were mentioned previously, the blink of an eye, the speed of lightning, the strong wind, the strong horse, the individual riding the camel, the individual running, the individual walking. Those are the individuals that would pass over the bridge. And then you have those people that would crawl. And the Prophet ﷺ mentioned that there are hooks that would grab these individuals and pull them into the hellfire. And the Shaykh mentioned Habib Allah Ta'ala that these hooks uh, they were mentioned in a hadith of the Prophet ﷺ that these hooks are similar to the thorns and if I'm not mistaken of the, the long uh, thorns of a cactus and it was mentioned by the Prophet ﷺ this, this type of plant or this type of tree that grows in the desert and to the best of my knowledge it is that which we call a cactus and he mentioned the fact that if a person gets caught on a cactus, they can't remove themselves, except it's very difficult for them to remove themselves. And the point is that if an individual is caught by one of the hooks, which is on this bridge, that the individual would not be able to free themselves and they would be, fall in to the hellfire. And then the Shaykh mentioned Habib Allah Ta'ala, the importance of being from amongst the Sabiqun, those who are at the forefront in their deeds and their actions, they would have ease in crossing over this bridge. But everyone has to cross over it, as is mentioned by Allah in the Qur'an, that there's none from amongst you, there's a verse in the Qur'an, وَإِن مِنْكُمْ إِلَّا وَارِدُهَا There's none from amongst you except that they must cross it. So this shows that everyone has to cross over this bridge. And those people who succeed in crossing over this bridge, they will enter into paradise. But before they enter into paradise, there's a place that everyone must stand. And this is a wide area that the people must stand. And this is the place where people would receive their, their rights from others. The individual who was oppressed, he would receive his rights from the person who oppressed him. And the Shaykh mentioned that he's mentioned this in a previous lesson. That the Prophet ﷺ said, who is the poor person from amongst you? And they said, the poor person is the one who has no wealth. And the Prophet ﷺ said, no, the poor person is the one who has many deeds. But he has oppressed. So he would come on a day of judgment. And he has oppressed this person and harmed this person. So the people would take from his deeds until he has no more deeds remaining. And the Shaykh mentioned Habib Allah Ta'ala, so if you have oppressed the people with your speech, or if you have harmed the people with your hands, you hit someone, or you killed someone, these people will take from your good deeds. The people you have, who you have oppressed, they will take from your good deeds. Because there is no oppression on this day. And verily Allah Azza is the judge. And if the person on this particular day when his good deeds are being taken from, if the person tries to deny that he has wronged others with his hands or with his tongue, Allah would seal his, his, his mouth and his skin would speak. 
and his hands would speak, so his limbs would speak against him and they would testify that he has wronged others and the people would take from his deeds. And the Shaykh mentioned Habib Allah Ta'ala, then after this has taken place and the people are, are purified, and the Shaykh mentioned Habib Allah Ta'ala, this is related to the rights of the people. The rights that people have over you in terms of their wealth, in terms of debts, in terms of you dishonoring them, and the likes, this will not be forgiven. This has to be reckoned between the people. But in terms of the rights of Allah Azawajal, this person is under the mercy of Allah Azawajal. And it took place that an individual approached the Prophet and mentioned, if I fought in the way of Allah Azawajal and I was killed, would I enter into Jannah? And the Prophet said yes. And the man walked away. And then the man returned. Uh, the Prophet said, bring him to me. And the man returned. And the Prophet said, yes, you will enter Jannah. Everything would be forgiven for the person that fights in the way of Allah and is killed. The martyr. Every sin would be forgiven for the martyr except the debt. Jibreel just informed me. So the Shaykh mentioned Habib Allah Ta'ala. So the rights... Uh, as it relates to wealth and as it relates to honor, these things are not forgiven. The people will take from your deeds. Then the Shaykh said, Habib Allah Ta'ala, that if the person who has oppressed others, if all of his good deeds are taken from him, and there remains no more good deeds for this individual, but he still has people that he has oppressed by way of his tongue or by way of his hands, then what is the case? The Shaykh mentioned Habib Allah Ta'ala that if no more good deeds remain with that individual who has oppressed others, then he will take from their bad deeds. He will receive bad deeds from the people that he has oppressed. Then he went on to mention that once this takes place, the people will enter into Jannah. And those who because of this reckoning, they some people have to enter into the hellfire for purification, and they will do so, or this is done. Then the first person to knock on the door of Jinnah would be the Prophet Muhammad wasallam, And the first people to enter into paradise would be the followers of the Prophet Muhammad, his ummah wasallam. He said, we are the last in this life. And the Prophet said, we are the last but we will be the first, meaning we are the last in this life, but we will be the first to enter into Jannah on the day of judgment. Then he mentioned Habib Allah Ta'ala that Shaykh al-Islam Ibn Taymiyyah mentioned in brief the intercessions of the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. The Prophet has three. The first intercession is for the people that are standing on the day of judgment. The Shaykh mentioned Habib Allah Ta'ala that all of the people will be standing, the believers and the disbelievers. And he said they would be standing in a vast broad area and the sun would be brought close to them and people would be standing in their sweat. And he said from the that which Allah decrees on this day that people would be standing in their sweat and their sweat would not harm another individual. Some people would be standing in their sweat and their sweat would reach up to their mouth. 
And someone will be standing and their sweat reaches up to their necks. And others will be standing and their sweat reaches up to their waist and the likes. And some are less than that. And this is the believers and the disbelievers. And they will be standing for a long period of time. One day is like 1,000 years. And they become very worried. And they are fearful of this standing. So they approach Adam والسلام, the father of mankind and they say you are the father of mankind. Allah created you with his hand and Allah ordered the angels to, to prostrate to you and Allah accepted your repentance. So intercede for us so that the reckoning can begin. And Adam والسلام, would say no, I cannot. I disobeyed my Lord and I ate from the forbidden tree. But go to Nuh, and Nuh والسلام, is also called the father because after Allah destroyed his people, the only people that were on the face of the earth were the people of Nuh. So the people, they approach Nuh and they say to Nuh, please request from your Lord to begin the reckoning. Nuh والسلام, would say, no, I cannot. I supplicated against my people that Allah destroy them. Go to Ibrahim, the father of the Anbiya, Abu Al-Anbiya, Ibrahim So they go to Ibrahim and they request the same from Ibrahim. And Ibrahim says, I can't, I lied three times. The first time Ibrahim lied, when he was a young boy, and he wanted to destroy the idols. So his people, they were going to a gathering. So they said to Ibrahim, come and he said, no, I'm not feeling well. So he said to them, I'm not feeling well. So he... He didn't tell the truth because he wanted to destroy the idols. And then when they went away, he came to the idols and there was some food there. There was some food there. And he said, why don't you eat the food? And then Ibrahim destroyed all of the idols except one. He left the big one and he put the axe or the hammer in his hand or next to him. And then when the people returned, they said, who destroyed our idols? And Ibrahim said, it was the large one. Ask him if he could respond to you. Ask him if he could respond to you. This was the second lie. Then the third lie was the time that Ibrahim was with his wife and he had entered into a land which had an oppressive ruler. He entered into a land that had an oppressive ruler. And that ruler was the type of ruler that if a woman entered into his land and if she was with her husband, he would kill her husband, he would take the wife, the woman. But if she was with her father, or her brother, he would allow them to live. Her father or her brother, he would allow them to live, but he would still bring the woman to him. So this happened with Ibrahim. And Ibrahim said to this ruler, she is my, she is my sister. And he said to his wife, don't say that I have lied. For verily, you are my sister because we are the only believers present on the face of the earth. Then the Shaykh Habib Allah Ta'ala mentioned that this story is in Sahih Bukhari. And other than Sahih Bukhari, and it's mentioned that the wife of Ibrahim was brought to this woman. The wife of Ibrahim was brought to the ruler. And when the ruler tried to touch her, she supplicated to Allah and he became unconscious. Then she feared that if his people came and see him unconscious, they would think that she has harmed him. So she supplicated to Allah to bring him, you know, to bring him, you know, you know to wake him up. So when he woke up, he tried to reach his hand to her again and she supplicated to Allah to protect her and he became unconscious again. 
Then she once again felt that if the people find him unconscious, they would think that they, she harmed him. So she supplicated to Allah to bring him up once again. Then he tried to reach his hand for the third time and she supplicated to Allah to protect her from him. And he became unconscious for a third time. Then she felt that if I leave him this way, the people would think that I have harmed him. So she supplicated to Allah, to Allah and Allah brought him uh, conscious once again. Then he said to his people, you have not brought me a woman, you have brought me a shaitana. So this was Allah had protected the wife of Ibrahim Then he said, the ruler said, this woman cannot serve herself. So he gave her uh, a slave girl. He gave her as a gift a slave girl and he said, remove her from my company and let her have this slave girl. And the slave girl was Hajar, who was the mother of, yani, thereafter would be the mother of Ismail So this was that which Ibrahim mentioned. Then they would go to Musa, so Ibrahim said, I cannot. So they, the people approached Musa and Musa, he apologizes and said, I cannot, I killed. Uh, Al-Qutbi, he killed uh, one of the people from the followers of Fir'aun. So he said, I cannot. He says, he tells them to go to Isa And Isa does not mention anything that he did wrong. He said, but I, I, it's not my position to do so. Go to Muhammad. He is the Prophet that Allah has forgiven all of his sins. So the people approach Muhammad وسلم, and the Prophet said, it is for me to intercede. And then the Prophet ﷺ approaches the throne of Allah and he prostrates. And then the Prophet ﷺ says, I, I supplicate and I praise Allah with statements that I do not remember the, in, the, in the worldly life. When I was in the worldly life, when I was in the world, I w- did not remember that I supplicated to Allah with this supplication and with this praise of Allah. Then Allah would say, O Muhammad, raise your head. Now, then Allah will say, O Muhammad, raise your heads. Ask and I will answer. Say and I will listen. Intercede and I will accept your intercession. So the Prophet ﷺ intercedes for the people that the reckoning begins. And this intercession was specifically for the Prophet Muhammad ﷺ and it is for no one else. And likewise, the Prophet ﷺ has a second intercession and it is that that the people of inter enter the people of Jannah, that they enter into the people of Jannah. Then there's a third reckoning of the Prophet ﷺ, and that is for the people that they deserve to enter into the hellfire. The Prophet ﷺ supplicates and he intercedes that they do not enter the hellfire, but instead they enter into Jannah. And the Shaykh mentioned Habib Allah Ta'ala that the intercession, whether for the Prophet or whether for anyone else, the intercession is not accepted by Allah except that Allah is pleased with the individual and Allah gives his permission. So intercession is not just for anyone, it is only for the people that Allah is pleased with and the people that Allah gives his permission to, to Barakah Ta'ala. Then the Shaykh mentioned Habib Allah Ta'ala that Allah gives intercession to other people as well. As Allah Ta'ala mentioned in the Quran or that Allah Ta'ala mentioned in the Quran the fact that he is all forgiving that Allah does not forgive that partners are set up with him and he forgives other than that to whom he wills. So Allah blesses the people and they intercede for others. And there are some people that were into the hellfire and Allah gives permission for people to take them out of the hellfire. This is also one of the intercessions. And then the Shaykh mentioned Hafib Allah Ta'ala. 
Naam. The Shaykh mentioned Habib Allah Ta'ala that the hellfire has been created, Allah created the hellfire for it to take all of the people who have wronged and all of the people who have disobeyed Allah and all of the people who have uh, committed shirk and kufr and the likes. The hellfire is big enough for these individuals and it will continue to request from Allah, is there more? Hal min mazid? Are there any more? Are there any more? Until it fills. And when the hellfire is filled, Allah it would say, Qat, Qat. I am full, I am full. And then Allah would place his foot over, over the hellfire and no one else would enter into the hellfire. And then Shaykh al-Islam Ibn Taymiyyah Ta'ala mentioned that these are the categories of the people of the hereafter and the reckoning and the reward and the punishment about the hellfire and about the paradise. And this, the specifics about this have been mentioned in the books that have been revealed from Allah to his prophets like the Suhuf, the pages of Ibrahim, and like the Torah, and like the Injil, and the pages of Dawood. And likewise, it has been mentioned in the Qur'an, and it has been mentioned in the authentic Sunnah of our beloved Messenger, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. يقول السائل إذا ظلمت شخصا وتبت إلى الله عز وجل فهل يغفر الله ذلك الذنب أو ذلك الظلم أو هل لابد أن أذهب إلى الشخص وأستعذن منه؟ إذا أذنب الإنسان إذا كان الذنب بينه وبين الله جل وعلا لا علاقة له بالناس فالتوبة تمحوه الصادق وأما إذا كان الذنب يتعلق بآخرين وهو ظلم بدون شك النبي صلى الله الله جل وعلا يقول يا عبادي إني حرمت الظلم على نفسي وجعلته بينكم محرما فلا تظالم فإذا تاب الإنسان بالذنب اللي بينه وبين ربه تكفيه التوبة وأما إذا تاب من الذنب الذي ارتكبه مع أحد من الناس فما كان من ذلك الذنب حقا لله يعفوه الله بالتوبة وما لم يكن لله وإنما للعبد فإنه لا بد من المقاضات كما قال النبي في الحديث اللي مر إلا الدين فإنه أخبر من يعني لكن إذا كانت الحسنات كثيرة الذي أساء وظلم ثم تاب كفو أعمال صالحة كثيرة يعفو الله عنه بسبب الحسنات الكثيرة كما في قصة أبي ذر مر علينا كثيرا لما قال من مات لا يشرف بالله شيئا دخل الجنة قال أبو ذر وإن زنى وإن سرق فكرها ثلاث مرات كلها يقول النبي وإن زنى وإن سرق فحق العبد إن شاء الله واحد به وإن شاء عطى عنه وحق الله إن كان شمل بالتوبة فهو معفون عنه The individual is asking if they have oppressed someone and they repent to Allah 
is the repentance uh, expiation. And the Shaykh mentioned Habibullah Ta'ala, if an individual committed a sin, and the sin was between the individual and Allah, and they have not wronged anyone in doing the sin, then the, the repentance would be an expiation, the true repentance, the sincere repentance would be an expiation, as long as they have not oppressed anyone else. Because the Prophet ﷺ said that Allah said, إِنِّي حَرَّمْتُ الظُّلْمَ عَلَى نَفْسِي وَجَعَلْتُهُ بَيْنَكُمْ مَحَرَّمًا فَلَا تَظَالِمُ Verily, I have forbidden oppression for myself, and I have made it forbidden amongst you, so do not oppress one another. So the Shaykh mentioned, so if the person sinned, and no one is involved in that sin, it's between them and Allah, then the repentance is an expiation. But if the sin is between, you have oppressed someone, and you have taken their rights, then the, the, the rights have to be returned. Like it was mentioned in the hadith, then the shaykh mentioned Habib Allah Ta'ala, like it was mentioned in the lesson. Then he said, but if the person has a lot of good deeds, a tremendous amount of good deeds, and they have wronged someone, or they have oppressed someone, but this person has a tremendous amount of good deeds, then inshallah Allah would overlook that and the person would enter into paradise because of his uh, tremendous amount of good deeds. This is, as is in the hadith of Abu Dhar that we've mentioned, that the Sheikh mentioned in previous lessons, that the person that bears witness that there's no deity worthy of worship except Allah, that the Prophet is the Messenger of Allah, would enter paradise even if they have fornicated and uh, stolen. And the Prophet mentioned this three times. So the Sheikh mentioned Habib Allah Ta'ala, so if the sin is between you and Allah, the repentance is an expiation, but if the sin is between you and an individual, then uh, it's incumbent that you seek their pardon. But if the person has a tremendous amount of good deeds, they will eventually enter into paradise. يقول السائل كيف كيف يخرج المرء كيف يخرج المرء الرياء من قلبه وكيف يكون من وكيف يكون وكيف يكون من الصادقين أولاً يستعيذ بالله جل وعلا من الرياء ومن سائر الذنوب يسأل ربه أن يعيذه من هذا الرياء ثم وبيعمل عبادة يحرص على أن يتصور أن من يراعيهم ويحب أن يعرف عنه أنه كذا وأنه كذا لا يمكن أن ينفعوه كما لا يمكن أن يضروه والأمر كله لله جل وعلا إن أرادوا مضرته ما ضروه إلا إذا كان الله قضى بذلك 
وان ارادوا ان ينفعوه ما استطاعوا الا اذا كان الله قدر ذلك يعود نفسه بصفه مستمره هذا العمل ينبغي ان يكون لله وان لا يدخله شيء من الرغبات لرياء ونحوه ويحسن بان يسال ربه ان يعينه على تلافي Individuals asking, How can I be from amongst the sincere and how can I remove pride from my heart? And the Sheikh mentioned Habib Allah Ta'ala that you should seek refuge in Allah from pride, from showing off, and all other types of sins. And you should likewise, when you intend to do an action, you should keep in mind and have certainty that the individuals that see you. The individuals that you want to show off to, these people cannot benefit you nor can they harm you. The affair is only for Allah. If Allah wants to benefit you, you will, be, you will benefit. And if Allah wants to harm you, you will be harmed. And those people have no ability in the affair. So the individual must condition himself to constantly bring himself to account for his deeds. And she should understand that the affair The deed should be done solely for Allah Azawajal. And he should not have any type of desire for showing off or pride in the affair. And the individual should ask Allah Azawajal to make him from the sincere. I mean, individual sent the question and said that I, I mistakenly said that Allah will say qat qat. No, it's the hellfire. It's the hellfire that says qat qat. قُرِئَ عَلَيْهِ مِنْ أَحَدِ الْقُرَّةِ مِنْ عَجْلِ الرُّكْيَةِ الرُّكْيَة السليمة أن تكون من الراقي إلى المرضي عليه بدون استعمال ماء أو زيت أو غير ذلك والزيت أيضا من أنواع الأدوية إذا قُرِئَ فيها قد يظن الشخص أن هذا الذي حصل له من الخير سببه الخاري ينبغي ان يحرص على ان تكون الرقيه مباشره من الراقي للمرضي. Individuals asking is it permissible for me to buy and use the the, the oil which rukia is read over and for the purpose of uh, which um, which Quran is read over for the purpose of rukia. The Shaykh mentioned Habib Allah Ta'ala, the correct form of Rukya is that the person who is reciting reads directly over the person who has the illness. And the Rukya is not done by usage of water or, or oil. And he said that oil or some forms of oil, they are used for medicine, but it's possible that a person might recite over some oil and the person uses it and they think that The reason why they've been cured is because of the recitation, but it's not, it's the oil, because it's a form of medicine. So the Shaykh said, Habib Allah Ta'ala, it's befitting that the Rukya is done straight from the one who is reciting directly to the one who has the illness 
and that other things are not used in between. يقول السائل بالنسبة للجسر الذي جسر المعلق على متن جهنم أو المنسوب على متن جهنم هل يمر على على الجسر كفار أو فقط مسلمون؟ هذا جسر لا سبيل إلى الجنة ولا إلى النار إلا بالسير على هذا الجسر المنزلق. فيمر معه المؤمن والكافر المؤمن الذي مر في الأوصاف المعقودة من أطوار النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم يعني هذا الجسر يتصور الخلائق التي سوف تمر ومقدار هذا الجسر وهو بين الجنة والنار ما مقدار النار والجنة ويمر فوق هذا الجسر تلك الخلائق أهل الخير الفائزون تقدم في كل شيء يمر أحدهم كلمح البصر ولمح البصر من تلمح من أبعد مكان يصل إلى البصر لا يستغرق شيء يذكر ثم كالبرق يعني كسرعة الضوء ثم كجياد الخيل المضمرة المسرعة ثم الركاب الإبل أيضا الرواحل ثم العدل يجري الإنسان عدوا ثم الشيء ثم يحبو يزحف فنسأل الله أن يسهل لنا جميعا طريق الجنة ويجرنا من العوائد Individuals asking with regards to the bridge which is with regards to the bridge which is over the hellfire, is it only for the believers or also for the disbelievers? The Sheikh mentioned the bridge which is extended over the hellfire. There's no path to Jannah nor to the hellfire except that you cross this bridge, which indicates that the believers and the disbelievers will cross over this bridge, like it was described by the Prophet All of the creation would go over this bridge. And imagine the size the amounts of people and the fact that the bridge is extended over the hellfire imagine the size of the hellfire and the people all of creation will go over this bridge you have those who were good those who were successful in this life they would go over like the blink of an eye and that's very quick and those after them they would go over like lightning like the wind like the the, the strong horse, like the riding of a camel, those running, those walking. And then the Sheikh mentioned Habibullah Ta'ala. We ask Allah to make our path easier for us to Jannah. We ask Allah to uh, deter us from that which would hinder us in crossing this bridge.
يقول السائل هناك مسجد لعله يقصد خارج البلد هناك مسجد يؤخرون صلاة الجمعة وخطبة الجمعة فهل من نسيحة لهؤلاء الذين يؤخرون خطبة الجمعة وصلاة الجمعة ينبغي للمسلم أن يعرف سنة النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم ثم يحرص أن يؤدي هذه العبادة وفق ما كان رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم يؤديها فإنه عليه الصلاة والسلام فيما يتعلق بالجمعة لا ينام الناس القيلولة القيلولة يحتاج إليها أصحاب العمل الكثير والناس مع النبي في وقت ذلك الوقت صلوات الله وسلامه عليه أهل العمل زراع وراث إلى غيره ما كانوا ينامون القيلولة إلا بعد صلاة الجمعة وهم ما كانوا ينامون بعد صلاة الفجر صلى الفجر لم ينام وإنما هذا طرأ على الناس السنة أن تصلى الجمعة في أول وقت الظهر الذي قال إذا جاء وقت الحر فأبرد بصلاة الظهر هذا هو المقصود ذلك صلاة الظهر وأما الجمعة فالناس يجتمعون من الصباح في الغالب في المسجد ويحرص على أن تؤدى الصلاة في الوقت المباشر له حتى ينصرف الناس من الجمعة من بعد صلاة الجمعة يسعون في سبيل الله في أرض الله لطلب رزق الله Individuals asking, there's a masjid that they delay the Friday prayer. Uh, what is your advice for them? And the Sheikh mentioned Habib Allah Ta'ala, it's befitting that the people learn the Sunnah of the Prophet وسلم, and then they're diligent in adhering to it. The people during the time of the Prophet وسلم, they used to take midday naps. And because they were people that used to work, they were farmers and they were guards and you know the likes. So these individuals used to work, so they used to take midday naps. They did not sleep after Salat al-Fajr. This is something which is more recent. During the time of the Prophet ﷺ, they did not sleep after Salat al-Fajr. So instead, they used to take midday naps. The Prophet ﷺ used to conduct the Jummah prayer in the early or the beginning time of Salat al-Dhuhr. The Prophet ﷺ said, if it becomes very hot, then you should pray Salat al-Dhuhr earlier. This is with regards to Salat al-Dhuhr. But with regards to Salat al-Jum'ah, the people used to gather in the masjid early in the morning. This is that which they used to do. So it's befitting that the people perform the Salat al-Jum'ah early so that the people thereafter can go and spread throughout the earth and seek the provisions from Allah Azza wa Jal. يقول السائل الذي خرج من دولة كافرة الذي حاجر من دولة كافرة ثم استقام ثم استقام في السعودية وحصل على إقامة رسمية فهل يعتبر أن فهل يعتبر مهاجر؟ حتى لو لم يعطى ترخيصا يستمر فهو مهاجر إذا كان 
يوم خرج من تلك البلاد الكافره نيته ان يهاجر من بلاد الكفر الى بلاد الاسلام فهو ان شاء الله على هذه النيه فان تيسر له ما يعينه على الاستمرار فهذا من فضل الله. Individuals asking if someone left the land of disbelief and they migrated to Saudi Arabia and they got a residency permit which is iqama, are they considered someone who has migrated? The Shaykh mentioned Habibullah even if they did not receive the permanent residence, they are still considered someone who has migrated. He said the day that they left the disbelieving land, if their intention was that they are migrating, then this individual is a migrator. Uh, and if the Shaykh mentioned, and if they can, if Allah decrees that they can uh, obtain the permanent uh, the permanent residency card, then this is something good. But the affair is based on their intention when they left their land. متى يجب على الولد أن يصلي الصلوات الخمسة في المسجد في أي سن؟ النبي عليه الصلاة والسلام يقول مروا أولادكم بالصلاة لسبق يعني إذا أكمل الولد سبع سنين وجب على أهله أن يأمروا لكن بدون تشديد إذا تم أكمل العشر يؤمر وإذا لم يستجب يضرب لكن ضربه لا يخسر عظما ولا يشق جلدا إذا كان يؤمن عليه ولا يخشى عليه فينبغي أن يحرص على صلاته في المسجد من حين إكماله السن السابعة Individuals asking when is it obligatory for the boy to begin to pray in the masjid Shaykh said, Habib Allah Ta'ala, the Prophet said, order your children to pray when they reach the age of seven. So when the child reaches the age of seven, they should be ordered to pray. And you should not order them, you should not be staunch when you, and stern when you order them. And then the Prophet said, and hit them when they reach the age of ten. So when they reach the age of ten, they are to be hit if they don't pray. But the Shaykh said, Habib Allah Ta'ala, but you shouldn't. Uh, give them an injury, you shouldn't break their bones and the likes of that. Then the Shaykh said, if you don't have, if you don't fear for the child, you don't fear for the safety of the child, as soon as the child reaches the age, the boy, as soon as the boy reaches the age of seven, you should uh, inform, you should order him to pray in the masjid, as long as you don't fear for his safety. يكون السائل ما يعني يسأل عن كيفية الأذان يسأل عن كيفية الأذان والمؤذن أين يضع 
يديه إذا أذن للصلاة نحضر المسجد وانظر إلى المؤذن الذي يؤذن كيف يؤدي هذا الأمان الأذان ثم بعد أن ينتهى من الأذان إلى أين يتجه لأن تصور العبادة تصورها في العمل في عمل تؤدى به يكون أثبت للذهن لكن مجمل ذلك المؤذن إذا أراد أن يذهب بالأذان السنة أن يتوجه إلى القبلة يستقبل القبلة السنة أن يبدأ بالتكبير الله أكبر ويرفع صوته يكبر أربع مرات ثم يشهد أن لا إله إلا الله مرتين ثم يشهد أن محمد رسول الله مرتين ثم يبدأ بالنداء للناس أن يحضروا حي على الصلاة، أنا حي أي هلموا وأقبلوا على الصلاة، حي على الفلاح مرتين حي على الصلاة، مرتين حي على الفلاح، لأن الفلاح هو الغبطة والسرور والارتياح، نتصور تحصيل المراد من الوصول إلى إرضاء الله جل وعلا بهذه العبادة، فهو خير عظيم ثم يختم الذكر بالتكبير والتهليل لا شك ان التكبير والتهليل اعلى مراتب الاذكار الله اكبر من كل شيء والله لا اله الا هو هذا مجمل ما يتعلق بهذا السنه لمن استمع للمؤذن سمعه ان يقول مثل ما يقول المؤذن حتى ياتي الى حي على الصلاه حي على الفلاح وينده يعني اقبله يناسب ان يقول السامع لا حول ولا قوه الا بالله اني انا اريد ذلك لكن الحول بيد الله. Individuals asking them how to call the adhan and the Sheikh mentioned Habib Allah Ta'ala if you go to the masjid you should see how the adhan is being called because when an individual sees the act of worship it remains with them longer. And then the Sheikh Habib Allah mentioned, but in <coughs> in summary, that which the individual does is that they, the sunnah is that the, the person calling the adhan faces the qibla, and then they say Allahu Akbar four times, and then they say Ashhadu an la ilaha illallah twice, <coughs> they say Ashhadu an Muhammad Rasulullah twice, then they say Hayat al-Salah, come to the prayer, come to the prayer, come to the success, come to the success. And then the Shaykh mentioned Habib Allah Ta'ala, they should keep in mind that you are doing this for the pleasure of Allah Azza wa Jal. You're doing this to seek the pleasure of Allah Azza wa Jal. And then they end it with uh, the takbir and the tahleel, which is La ilaha illallah. And the Shaykh, Shaykh said there's no doubt that the takbir and the tahleel, this is the greatest form of suffocating to Allah Azza wa Jal. Then the Shaykh said, and as for the person that hears the adhan being called, the person should say the same as the Mu'addin, the one that's calling the Adhan, but when they hear, come to the prayer, come to the success, they should say, La hawla wa, wa la quwwata illa billah. The Shaykh said, this is the most, uh, this is the Adhan in summary. 
يقول السائل هل يجوز للمظلوم أن يجحر ويعلن عن من ظلمه أمام الناس إذا لم يتيسر له تحصيل حقه إلا بذلك جاز له بشرط أن لا يزيد بما ينسبه إلى ظالمة لا يزيد على المظلمة بشيء لم يحصل Individuals asking, is it permissible to make public someone who's been oppressed? He publicly announces who has oppressed him. And as Sheikh mentioned, Habib Allah Ta'ala, if it's not possible for you to get your rights from this individual except by doing so, then it's permissible for you to do so. But you should not increase and exaggerate and mention things that you have not been oppressed in that regard. So you should limit it only to that which the individual has actually oppressed you in. يقول هل يجوز للمسلم أن يدعو على الظالم على من ظلمه؟ يجوز بشرط أن لا يزيد في دعائه عليه. بأكثر مما حصل لك من الضرر فإن العدل مطلوب لا يحب الله جار بالسوء قل إلا من ظلم إذا كان مظلوما Sheikh Bint, uh, the person mentions, is it permissible for the person who is oppressed to supplicate against the one who has oppressed them? The Sheikh said it is permissible with the condition that you don't increase in your supplication and, and go beyond the bounds of that which you've been oppressed in and the Sheikh mentioned Habib Allah Ta'ala because it's uh, incumbent upon you to be just. And he mentioned the statement of Allah Azzawajal that Allah does not love that a person makes public their complaints except those who have been oppressed. يقول السائل هل صحيح أو هل صحيح أن حاجر كانت جارية لأنه قرأ لأن الكاتب الصواب قرأ أنها كانت أميرة أو ملكة لمالك مصر هاجر كانت مملوكة جارية يعني مملوكة للملك الذي مر به إبراهيم عليه السلام ولما حاول أن يمس سارة وحصل له ما سمعتم من أن الصرع ثلاث مرات علم أنه لا مجال له أن يحصل مراده فأهداها تلك الجارية يعني تخدمها فوهبتها رضي الله عنها لإبراهيم عليه السلام فحملت بأب العرب إسماعيل عليه السلام Person saying, is it confirmed that Hajar was a slave girl because the person has read that she wasn't a slave girl? And the Sheikh mentioned Habib Allah Ta'ala, no, she was a slave girl. She was a slave, she was a slave female for the king that Ibrahim had uh, entered into his land, as it was mentioned in the story. And uh, <coughs> when the king, this king tried to touch 
Sarah, the wife of Ibrahim, it took place that he became unconscious three times, like the Sheikh mentioned in the story Habibullah Ta'ala. So when he, the king realized that he could not touch Sarah, he gave her a, a gift, and that was Hajr. And Sarah gave Hajr to Ibrahim, and later on she became pregnant with the with Ismail alayhi salatu wasalam. سأل هل تدخل الملائكة بيتا فيه سور في الكتب الدراسية؟ الملائكة لا تدخل مكانا فيه كلب ولا صورة والمقصود بالصورة تلك التي تصور إما بالريشة بالقلم أو بالتطريز بالخياطة أو بالصياغة أو بالنحت الحجارة والأحشاب هذه التي تعمل من تفكير مصور الملائكة لا تدخل بيتا في هذه الأشياء وأنا أرجو أن ما يكون في مثل ما يحصل في جرائد صحف كذا أرجو الله جل وعلا أن لا يكون ذلك مقصودا إلا يترتب عليها أن تخلو بيوت عامة الناس من المسلمين من دخول الملائكة. Individuals asking, do the angels enter into the homes that have pictures in the educational books and the likes? And the Sheikh said, Habib Allah Taala, that the angels do not enter a place, a home that has a dog or a picture. And what is intended by a picture is that which is drawn with the hand. Or that which is drawn by way of stitching, that which is designed an actual picture by way of stitching, or that which is carved in the wood. Uh, all of these things, which is the work of the, the artist himself, the angels do not enter into those homes. The Sheikh said, but I hope that which is present in the newspaper, the, digi the digital, like the digital uh, pictures and the likes, I hope that this doesn't fall under that, because if that was the case, then most if not all of the houses of the Muslims uh, would be uh, fall under that hadith. تقول المرأة هل يجوز أو ما نصيحتكم للرجل إذا غضب من امرأته يكلمها بألفاظ ليست من الدين ويقول لها أنت تعتقدين أنك أنك من أحسن الناس. أو أنك فوق الناس ونحو ذلك فما نصيحتكم لهذا الرجل؟ ينبغي للرجل أن يحسن إلى زوجته والنبي عليه الصلاة والسلام أوصى بالنساء في مرض موته الذي مات فيه قال استوصوا بالنساء خيرا وقال خيركم خيركم لأهله ينبغي للمسلم أن يأخذ بوصايا محمد صلى الله عليه وسلم فيما يتعامل 
بهما امرأة وأن لا يقبح وجها وأن لا يضربها مع وجه وأن يحرص على أن يتسامح عنها إلا فيما كان من المحرمات الذي قال أن المرأة خلقت من ضلع من ضلع آدم وإن أعوج ما في الضلع أعلاه فإنك إن ذهبت تقيمها أردت أن تعدل هذا الظل على طبيعته العجاج كسرتها وكسرها طلعت وإن استمتعت بها استمتعت بها وفيها عوج يقول في حديث آخر لا يفرك مؤمن مؤمنا يعني لا يبغض إن سحط منها خلق رضي خلقنا آخر إذا أغضبت الواحد امرأته فليفكر ما لها حسنات ما كانت لبقة رفيقة به تحسن معاملته تقدم له ما يطلبه منها مما يسرها أن ترضيه به إلى غير ذلك ينبغي للرجل أن يحسن إلى زوجته The person is asking, what is your advice for a man that when he becomes upset with his wife, he speaks to her in a manner which is not befitting. He says to her, you think that you're better than others. You think that you are the best and the likes. The Sheikh said, Habibullah Ta'ala, it is befitting upon a man to be kind to his wife. The Prophet ﷺ said during his sickness that he actually died because of that sickness. The Prophet ﷺ said during that sickness, I advise you with regards to your treatment of the women. The Prophet ﷺ likewise said, Be kind to the women. Likewise, the Prophet ﷺ said, The best of you is the best to his family. So it is befitting that the person takes the advice of the Prophet ﷺ with regards to the treatment of the women. And the Prophet ﷺ said, You should not hit her in the face if you strike her and the likes. So the Shaykh said, It is befitting and it is upon the man to overlook the faults of the women. Except if she falls into something haram. And he said, Habib Allah Ta'ala, that the woman, that the Prophet ﷺ said, the woman has been created from a crooked rib, a bent rib, the rib of Adam والسلام, And the most uh, crooked part of her is the top. If you try, the Prophet ﷺ said, if you try to straighten her, you will break her. And if you leave her, she will remain crooked or bent. And if you break her, this is that you will divorce her. And he mentioned, the Sheikh mentioned another hadith that the Prophet ﷺ said that you should not strongly dislike her. If you see something within her that you dislike, you should look towards something that you like within her. So the Sheikh said, so it is a befitting that a man, when his wife makes him upset, he should think, does she have things that I'm, I like? Does she have things that I'm pleased with? Is she not gentle to me? Doesn't she do things for me that I'm pleased with? Things that I request from her? This is that which the man should be upon and this is how the man should treat his wife. محسنين اتباع محمد صلى الله عليه وسلم كما أسره بأسمائه وصفاته أن يصلح حالنا 
وحال ذرياتنا واحبابنا وقراباتنا والمسلمين في كل مكان وان يجيرنا من الفتن ما ظهر منها وما بطن وان ينصر الحق واهله ويذل الباطل واهله وان يعاجل بالفرج عباده المظلومين في الشام وفي غير الشام في فلسطين وفي شرق اسيا وفي غير ذلك في اي ارض من ارض الله جل وعلا يظلم فيها المسلمون نساله باسماعه وصفاته ان يمدهم بالنصر والصبر والتوفيق والتوبه اليه جل وعلا كما نساله جل وعلا باسمائنا ان يحفظ على هذه البلاد بلادنا المملكه امنها على دينها ودنياها وان يجيرها ما يسميه الغرب الربيع العربي ان يجيرها من هذا الربيع وياتي هذا الخير الكثير من الله فانه ربيع انما هي اعاصير فتن ورياح شر وبلع فنسال الله ان يجيرنا ويجير بلاد المسلمين كلها من ذلك كما نساله جل وعلا لمصر ان يوفقهم الله جل وعلا لتوليه اصلحهم واتقاهم وانفعهم لبلاد مصر في امر الاسلام وفي شعب مصر فيما يتعلق بعيشه كما نساله سبحانه ان يسقي رياح الفتن يسكنها ويزيلها ويحل محلها رياح العفو والرحمه والغفران انه جل وعلا مجيب الدعاء واخر دعوانا ان الحمد لله رب العالمين وصلى الله على نبينا محمد وعلى اله وصحبه وسلم تسليما كثيرا. The Sheikh said that we would rise with those mounted questions and we ask Allah to make us our, to make our actions sincerely for his face and to accept our deeds and we ask Allah to make us from amongst those who correctly follow the Prophet We ask Allah to correct our affairs and the affairs of our children and family. We ask Allah to protect us from all evils. We ask Allah to support the truth and to debase the evil. We ask Allah to give prompt ease to the people, or quick ease to the people in Syria, the people in Palestine, and other Muslim lands. We ask Allah with his names and attributes to give the people patience, those who are being oppressed, patience, and to give them victory and to give them success. And we ask Allah to protect us from the Arab Spring, which it, it is not a, an Arab Spring, but it is, a, it is winds and it's winds of fitna and tribulation and calamity. And we ask Allah to give the people of Egypt the success to choose someone who is God-fearing and will benefit them in their Islam and their worldly affairs. And we ask Allah to remove all the winds of fitna and to make them winds of mercy and forgiveness. And our last supplication, all praise be to Allah, the Lord of the world, and the peace and blessings of Allah be upon the Prophet Muhammad, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, and his family and companions.